Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 25th of August 2019. I get the impression that most of the media in the world is rather sad about the fact that the, the Epstein, the Jeffrey Epstein debacle, if you call it that way, <laughs> or expose, is, is over pretty well. And because it leaves them with a, a real dearth, a void of uh, news. Because we live in such a censored system today, we hardly get anything that really matters to us in any real honest detail. As I say, what we do get, definitely, is the gossip stuff. And uh, Jeffrey Epstein managed to fulfill a lot of roles with the sex scandal. That's, that's like a soap or a good movie. You know, sex and uh, subterfuge, possible blackmail, possible big intelligence agency operation, which everybody pretty well <laughs> agrees upon. And then the clumsy way it was all ended, or appeared to be ended, that no, no one really believes in. And then the sudden silence again about it from governments and, and etc. It, uh, it's, it's quite something, isn't it? But it's over. A lot of folk will say it's sad. I'm not kidding you. Because we live in such a censored, literally a censored system today with, with the most powerful people and most powerful organizations running the show now, rather openly too. And they're not beating around the bush about going after different people who just say things or even think things or even ask questions, for goodness sake. We live in such a polarized society now. It just appears to be, if you really believe the media, without realizing that most of what you get from the media now with the clashes of different groups, etc. in the States, is often orchestrated by the intelligence services themselves, running both sides of it. That's rather standard, too. And if you fall victim to, to jumping on board through emotion, you're some kind of loser in reality. I'm not kidding you. Because I gave talks years and years ago about what was shown in Britain many years ago when Britain had some type of free press where they could at least talk about other countries. Uh, that's, that was a favourite of Britain. They could also criticise other countries or show documentaries on other countries on certain things that happened, but they would never mention what was happening inside Britain itself, naturally. Uh, but I can remember they showed a, a documentary, a, a long one too, about what they called racism in America and, and so-called neo-Nazi groups. And they showed you a, a place, and I don't know if it was Chicago or somewhere, wherever it was, anyway, one of the big cities, New York or Chicago. And they had a raid, they did a raid on, I suppose, a neo-Nazi outfit there. And they, they caught up, they rounded up a bit, oh, well over 100 people. Uh, but the time they sorted out all the people who attended it, uh, you find that most of them belonged to different government agencies that were intent on finding out who the neo-Nazis were. <laughs> so really, they actually arrested two people, and they just walked in off the street. It was winter, and they wanted a coffee and a free donut. <laughs> so you usually have to laugh at this kind of stuff as they orchestrate it by your own government agencies to keep a lot of mythologies alive, in a sense, because certain powers benefit from mythologies like that. But it's quite amazing to, to watch this happen. And that, that particular documentary, it was a long one. It showed them doing the same thing in different cities in the U.S. It was pretty well the same results, actually. So they had so many different agencies, not, not just the FBI, had lo local police, all undercover, all doing the same kind of things. And generally, too, the organizations had been set up by government agents posing as, as, as the leaders of these groups and so on. So you have to be awfully, awfully, awfully careful, folks, that you don't fall into these traps, really. And if you think a clash on the streets with uh, well-funded groups and well-publicized groups is going to fix anything, yeah, go away, because it, that's not how the world works at all these days. It doesn't work like that. Not in the least. Not these days. And really, it's like a massive social experiment to watch it all all happening today. These are the techniques which were used in European countries even long before World War II started, where they created the, the communists, of course, were the first ones based in the Soviet Union. 
And once they had got that over, they were trying to do the same in Germany and other countries too. And that caused real clashes in the streets uh, with different, different factions. They were very, very real indeed because communism was trying to definitely take over. Today, communism has mutated into the appearance of social justice often and uses the same kind of rhetoric and language. But you can tell by what's being pushed. It's the same type of socialist government control. Don't forget that in socialism, the state is all-powerful. You can't fight the, the state by creating a, its, the opposition of itself. You can't do it. And so you have, I mean, even the Nazi organization, it was National Socialism versus the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics or the Warsaw Pact countries after World War II and so on. So anyway, you definitely have the semblance of the same thing being pushed today. Nothing you've been taught really is true about the past when it comes to these big organizations and the wars because you can go into looking at the funding of the Soviet Union, very very older articles and books about it too. They didn't have an axe to grind at the time, many of them. And they, they told us about the massive aid given to the Soviet the, the, the bloc, really, right after the revolution. And uh, the US uh, put tremendous government money and organizational power in defeating the people clothing them and so on and so did Canada and other, other countries too they thought it was the, the way it was the publicized it was going to be a good thing you see and we're all schmucks in a sense to fall for you know, sob stories and human interest stories you can, that, that's what's counted upon with propaganda but you got to understand too that the Soviet system wasn't meant to stop with Russia or its satellites it was meant to spread around the whole planet remember this idea of democracy was laughed at, sometimes quite rightly so, in fact, because we never really had it anywhere. And the Soviet system always promises you, and this is the thing, it's always for a better tomorrow, a utopia down the road, just over the horizon. You might not live to see, but you're, if you have any children at all, which is probably these days very unusual almost, then you know your children will see it. That was the kind of promise that the, 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 the people were taught to believe in. And all through the Cold War, too, uh, even during World War Two, uh, don't forget that the West kept uh, the Soviet system alive. Tremendous, tremendous um, money uh, and goods and weaponry and so on was all shipped off to the Soviet Union all through the war uh, to the expense of all the Western countries that supplied the shipping and so on because many of them got sunk by U-boats and so on. And uh, and books were written about that too, and how the U.S. supplied them throughout the war with uh, aircraft and uh, and heavy-duty weaponry and tanks, etc., etc. But not only that, when when it was all over and done with, and eventually they nicknamed uh, Stalin the Big Bad Bear again, you know, because we lived in a world of shapeshifters apparently, because Uncle Joe became a big bad bear. Because you always need, what's for the public's control, that is an enemy or a perceived enemy to make them basically hug their own governments. That's what that's for, that that Cold War type mentality. And so they they turned them into a potential foe. Now, if you have a foe, why would you feed them all through the Cold War? Why would Canada and the U.S. be competing every year? For the contract to supply the Soviet Union to all the countries with, with massive amounts of grain, etc. But because he did, right up to the bitter end of the Cold War. So nothing's ever as it seems to be. Don't ever think it. And again, as I said before, you'll find with uh, some of the excellent books written by defectors or had written for them basically most books today are all ghost written in every country so just because a person has a name on it uh, even folk you might know actually in different uh, even near to your heart businesses you, you probably find that their books are ghost written if you really dig into them but that's how it's done but some of these these uh, people who who worked with the, with them on their own life stories on on the, the KGB etc in Russia uh, gave you a different story altogether of the class system which they belonged to themselves. I can remember what they did in Britain too after the, the Cold War was to admit, I think it was shown in Canada too, they admitted 
that uh, really they're a class system, definitely, in, in the Soviet Union. Because power creates the class system, and then eventually you have those who are in the, at the start of it all, who get all the medals and the gongs, etc., and uh, given the, their holiday homes, etc., in the forest and servants, servants to take care of them, because they're very important people, you see. Then you have these, this class system. Then their children become the future generals, or they also work in the KGB. And so it was an hereditary organization, right to its bitter end. And afterwards, too, when they changed the name of it, after the Soviet Union changed, uh, it's still the same. That they still, it's, it's much like the Western world, too. The Western world is awfully good at uh, hiring from its own ranks of civil servants, intergenerational civil servants, agents, of course, and secret police and all that kind of thing. That's how most countries do it, and Russia is no exception. So anyway, we're living in a system where most of the past isn't taught to you. But all the defectors in Russia, of all of them, none of them ever complained, I think, that, that they, they left the country because they weren't getting enough of the material goods that the West had to offer. They already, at that level, these defectors from the wealthy families, you might say, or important families, had all the material goods and the, they lived equivalent lifestyles. Even the, even the, the bureaucrats who left, uh, they had equivalent lifestyles with uh, better housing or apartments and and all the latest gadgets and gizmos and electronics, all that kind of stuff, as their counterparts in the West. So it wasn't because they lacked anything they left. But the rest of the public, as in most countries, <laughs> uh, you're left eating the lowest kind of foods too as they keep the budgets and restrained and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, this, this is, this, remember too, the Soviet Union shared its data and the West shared its data with the Soviet Union from their scientific associations. That was always a surprise me because every year, every year, You'd read about the big scientific meetings and specialist scientific meetings for different areas of science and so on. Every year, they, they back and forth towards the Soviet Union, even though if you did a basic study into the Cold War at that period, and the books were put out, they're just churned out about the Cold War and what the strategy meant. And it said that the, the country with the most uh, leading expertise in scientific areas they could be applied into industry or weaponry. Would come out. They would come out as the as the winners. You see. So if that was the case, why would you allow all your top scientists in all different areas to go over and meet the, their counterparts in the Soviet Union and exchange all their data? I mean, you come on. You got to use your own head here and really laugh at a lot of it. Really laugh at a lot of an awful lot of it. There's nothing really that comes out uh, even during a Cold War era. And this will happen again. It's, it's, it's going to happen again uh, as they make the, the enemies reappear as a big bad bear, etc. And, and China, far from becoming your supplier of all your goods as it was set up to do by us, of course. And by, I hate to say us, but there are countries that own us as well. They set them up to be the manufacturer. Now the Chinese are supposedly a big threat as well. Well, you have to get off this bandwagon of on this roller coaster that that leads you in endless circles your entire life if you really believed in it all, because it doesn't it didn't really happen that way. Nothing happens by itself like that. It's made to happen. It is made to happen, and it's planned that way. The greatest big things that happens in our lifetime happen to be planned that way. There's nothing. It's unforeseen, really. If a meteor came in, perhaps there would be a chance that... that uh, and even then, the big boys are, have made stacks of preparations across the planet for a wealthy and uh, elite to live with a scientific elite uh, for them so they can serve, hopefully survive somewhere in the world or some of the many groups uh, will survive if a massive impact happens because of a, uh, something from outer space, as an example. But for the rest of us, no, we are expendable. You, you, we saw that in so many of the disaster movies, the kind of deep impact type movies that we've seen. Uh, you also saw it with that terrible movie, <laughs> with its uh, um, 
a tremendous story of an elite surviving after uh, the earth crust just just happens to start breaking up and shifting and all that and then the, the, the seas just overwhelm previous nations uh, that was uh, 2012 I think they called the movie where the elite again the wealthy elites uh, would would, it would would could buy passage on these specially designed ships designed naturally in China because you were the fast the only, the only places left really who could manufacture it in a, in a hurry since no one else has got the industry they deindustrialized and gave it gave it to China so the elite would survive because he could buy seats on it and berths on it and the, a scientific elite would survive with them. And in, in the movie itself, remember, uh, they, they said too that when they got on board the ships, well, these people were all selected. They're talking about all the, the, the rest of the crew and the rest of the people. And so they're selected for their genetic potential, good genetic, good genes, basically, good health and genes and intellect, etc., for, for a stock to, to repopulate the planet. So, again, eugenics there. So you get ultra-rich and wealthy who naturally must be better than anybody else because they're rich and wealthy, right? That's, that's literally in eugenics. Charles Darwin talked about this himself, you know, and Galton Darwin too. Quite amazing. So, it, it's, uh, yeah, so the rich would obviously had proven themselves uh, worthy because they became rich, and if they, they held on to it for a few generations, then they were worthy to go. The rest of the people would show by their merit would be through intellect and uh, scientific abilities and things like that, and technical abilities. So they'd be chosen for that. But they'd have to also have the proper genes and good genes. And so they did genetic backgrounds checks and all the rest of it like that. It's amazing how they bring it all into it. And they, and you think you're living in a classless society? <laughs> you have to have a chuckle once in a while, eh? don't you? But again, Orwell did say it in 1984, some are more equal than others in such utopias. And that's that's the world we're going into right now. It, it, academia, unfortunately, is a tremendous snobbish field today. It, it's so snobbish with, with so many, I guess just too many people across the planet going into it. It reminds me of, of Kung Fu. And I can remember, you see, I can remember when Kung Fu was made famous on television by the series called the Kung Fu or Kane or whatever it was with David Carradine. And all the youngsters and children would go around kicking themselves and giving themselves bruises all over the place by trying to emulate what they saw. And this became awfully, awfully popular, naturally. And then the movies came out as well. Kung Fu is kind of where you looked as Kung Fu and... If you went to a Chinese restaurant in Britain, for instance, you'd suddenly see, you'd, and I mean suddenly, see these guys that came from China, and their chests were out, strong and proud, you know. Because everybody, in, the, everybody in, in Britain thought, that these guys almost know Kung Fu, you see. So they gave them more respect, and these Chinese guys could see that. So they strutted around as though they were all champions of Kung Fu. And of course, when you talk to them and say, well, they didn't know it at all. It was as, really, it was just as entertaining to them to watch on TV as you, because they didn't, uh, they'd never studied Kung Fu either. At least that was honesty. Whereas, but again, the people perceive it differently. Oh, like they must all know that. It's the same in academia, which again, it's like getting an infection. If you, if you go into the higher learning courses... Uh, and and you pass exams, which are meant for broadly speaking for most folk to pass, right? Then you, you get a little bit of praises from different masters and so on, and you get a little bit of paper. And in some cases, you you might have be called a different title, you see. Uh, and you'll swagger around just like the guys in kung fu or Chinese restaurants, and you know. And they've trained the public to look up to people, you see, who, who get churned. I mean, churned out of universities mainly with useless degrees, because they'll never get work in what they're doing. Most people, in, in, well, so many people in different scientific areas, literally make a career, and they get courses in this, by the way, a career on how to live off grants for your entire life. Uh, so they get taught how to procure the grants. They have, they have courses in them, you know, and how to, like salesmen, and you, got, you become a salesman or you employ the companies to do it for you 
and to get grants, and then you can live off grants. And, and you, you, you can, for years, how many times did you see, like the, the, like the say, the Heart and Stroke Foundation? It, and it did this for a while. It would, silly little, at the end of the year, you got to show something for the money, right, uh, that you're getting. And they would say something like, some countries such as France have said, a drink of red wine once every evening will extend your life and cut down blood pressure and help your heart, you know. And, and, and folk would lap this, well, did you know what they, what they said? That, that, so everybody would start, that, that, you know, and all the wine manufacturers were awfully happy then. And then maybe two or three years later, you see the same organization telling them white wine was better. And then, then a few years later, they'd tell you that no alcohol at all was good for you. <laughs> so come on here, come on, hey. Come on. And if you, if you notice in the newspapers, they have, they have these aggregate sites too. If you click on something from a, a known newspaper or whatever, they'll take to you like an aggregate little news thing. On little, they'll try to lead you in circles reading silly articles after silly articles to pass your life away. As they monitor you watching them and reading them all. But they'll take into these little scientists have found scientists. There's a thousand scientists have found, you know, every day. Something, and I read the article a few years ago, on, and uh, I think I mentioned it on a radio show. In fact, and I, was, and I said, and I read off a, a bigger study on these reports that, that said the most of these reports are found to be untrue in, in two or three years' time. Because some other scientific group will get a grant to find out something that's the opposite. They just make stuff up. That's how bad things really are today. So you can get a career making things up. And uh, and passing out there as, as real news, and I even read the articles from from guys who uh, worked and got employed by big pharma companies to give them great write ups on certain drugs and so on, and they actually admitted that without giving their names out. They can't do that, and they, they did a, a, a two or three shows on television a few years, some years back, where and of course they're in the shadows, but, but admitting to what they'd done and they made a good living off it. And they publicise this kind of stuff. There's so much deception out there uh, that it's not funny at all, and uh, it seems to be the norm across the board is deception today. And it can't be anything else, I suppose. Really, when you think that most things today are built on a, on a, mater- a very materialistic uh, scientific basis. Uh, on uh, where everything must must generate income, money, either personally or some other way, and so they've got to give out uh, lots of any kind of articles, just spew them out to bring out uh, get income, etc. And deceiving people then is okay, apparently. I mean, governments do it all the time, right? And they do, of course, they do. It's sad to me to really think that the conditioning of the human mind has been almost so perfect that most folk never question anything at all anymore. They just accept the authorized view on things, like like Brzezinski said they would do eventually. We're, we're, we're long past that stage. We've passed that a long time ago, but we, most folk really, really do. And, the, and even the sciences of, of, of conning people uh, are so tremendously accurate now with, because we're so so well studied, so well continuously studied. That, that it's, in fact, if you're not easily malleable or manipulated by powers from people you, you won't even meet generally, they're finding out that on, on the internet, you see, they, they know exactly what will... Get you going in a certain article or whatever it happens to be, and they'll give you a whole bunch of other ones to follow because they they're watching you, and they'll give you like all these suggestions. It isn't just the big ones that are doing like Google, you know. They're all pretty well doing it, and there's lots of deceptive ones too that say that they're not, but of course they are because they make money off you and studying you and passing information on to others who study and watch you and manipulate you. As I say, it's so sad because everything comes down to money. Everything in the system depends on money. Even though money, as we've been taught to believe in it, is not real. It's not real at all. Money at one time had to be physical and, and to be accepted. It had to be physical 
something you could hold. Even the weight of money, they called it the weight of money when it's coin. At one time, you, you, a coin, would, you could live on a coin for a whole week or maybe a month if it was gold and longer than that. But the, the, the money system, since it is in control of everything, is the most powerful instrument in existence. I don't care what it's called or if it's even abstract today, it's still the most powerful thing. Because everything on the planet depends on it. Everything. Don't forget during the, the Great Depression, you find that all the, the factories still existed. The companies that supplied fuel for factories and everything else still existed. Uh, the, the vehicles to transport goods, etc., all still existed. But everything stopped when the money stopped flowing. Which sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? But that's, that's what happened. No one works when there's no money to get paid with. It's a powerful thing. And uh, governments are panicking because then uh, they can't govern. Because what is there to govern if people won't listen to you? And also you'll get blamed for, for helping it to happen in the first place or not or allowing it to happen. So you got a system where gangsterism runs the system. Now, gangsterism is often very, very legitimate in a sense. I guess that's the right word for it, really. When it's necessary, it's, the, it's become, it's made itself necessary, and there is no competition, then of course it is. It's become the legitimate form when there's no competition, even though it is gangsterism. Because it was based on nothing, and yet money's supposed to be based on something, you see. Then it's a con game, and it's the biggest con in the world, of course. Countries like Britain, and many countries with the same kind of system, had money going way back for centuries based on weight. And it was worked out with different metals, and from the top right down to lesser metals, and the value per pound, the weight of Pound, the pound was a weight. And so you had 240 pennies, for instance, would give you one pound. And so that was how you, you measured the pennies. And you had the same when it came to silver, which, again, you had to have so much of the coinage, like sixpences or even three pennies, the three penny pieces, which are silver at one time. And there's enough of them all counted out, but had to weigh one pound. And that's why the pound is still called the pound today in, in the UK. It was basically on the value of that. So no matter what happens, you, you, you'd always have that same thing on the go. And of course, the great thing, guys who helped take it all over with the Bretton Woods Agreement and all the rest of it, took everything off the gold currency standard, and gold was at the very top. And then silver, and the British pound was based really on, on sterling, sterling silver. And so it was emulated across the, the whole planet, that same kind of standard. It, it still had gold currency at the top of it, too, where you could have guineas at one point in gold. Uh, and that, that kind of thing. So, so, but silver was at the, the, the very, very top. And then you had, you had silver, and then you had brass, and then you had pennies. So it it, uh, it worked out really well until it took you all off it. Well, if you're off it and there's nothing tangible anymore, uh, well, then you can inflate it whenever you want to. And what they mean by that, they keep just printing money off, and now they just put, add it to a computer screen, that's your money, and keep adding zeros to the end of the number. And that's where we are today. And at least I'm going to do it. You see, whatever currency that was, the pretend, <laughs> whatever currency the pretend it was based on, becomes more and more diminished in purchasing power. You just look back, and you can, you can do it on the internet so easily now, on what, say, a million, a million dollars or a million pounds was worth in 1900. And purchasing power, when you compare it to today, how many millions you would need today to get that same amount of purchasing power and buying, buying different articles and so on. That's how they work out. We're so devalued, and with every crash, they always devalue it more. A crash is often de designed to be so, with, with the compliance and authority of government, 
in order to bring and lessen uh, the worth, the actual buying per- uh, purchasing power of that currency. That's why they do it every so often. And it's, it's getting ready to do it again, as you all well know. It's a racket. There's no need. Actually, there's no need that you couldn't live on one pound today if I still had the same value it had in, in say, 1900. You'd live on that for a, a good week, awfully well, in fact. And eat awfully well, too. There's no re- reason why you can't. It's because of the cons of money. Until eventually you, can, you have to earn uh, £10,000 a, a, a month to, to pay a, a very, a, the rent on a little one-room place uh, for a month. But that's where you're going with it all. But again, that's a racket. So governments are not really what you think they are. Definitely not today. They work with academia, the con men that are churned out with a tremendous um, arrogance, the, the same arrogance we used to see with the class system. It, it, they turn them out and they, they automatically are trained in a communistic fashion because a lot of the techniques used today are from communism. Communism was way up there in using scientific methods and study and manipulation. And part of the, the communist the technique for, for, for plan change was to enforce the, the, the belief in them that uh, don't trust anybody un, uh, over 30, for instance, was a common slogan, to get the generations separated. Because with the younger generation, you can plan the changes much easier because they will implement it. They won't listen to any older folk who have experience and wisdom. So you can get rapid change. And universities today are turned out, are turning them out the same way. And they are arrogant and they swagger. And they, they, they actually will look at everybody older themselves as though they're obsolete in a sense. Because they've been trained to, to see them that way. It's an anti-human system because what the system is being managed by is a system, or where it's supposed to go, is, is into an anti-human system. When you have rights taken away from you because of your opinions or your thoughts even, or even asking, being curious and asking questions can get you in trouble. That's where it's all going. Then you're not living in a... In a a really a, a humane human system at all. And that's planned behavioural changes. That's what we're going through right now with all the changes, where opinions must be standardised, and that they really mean standardised opinions. And they have all the professionals that they churn out universities in different areas, getting good money, getting paid. You always bribe the, the, the henchmen, and of course you can have henchmen of the mind, of course. And these are the scientific managers uh, the psychological managers of the mind paid awfully well to to manage us for the masters at the top. They pay them awfully well. You'll find within these characters who work like that uh, and who have no conscience about it that there's a high level of psychopathy, and that's not there by chance either. We also live in a system where the traditional values that kept us, the values we used to have kept us secure to an extent, even through terrible times, because we could help each other out. We had common cultures, for instance, common values, and folk would help each other out. Before all these pretended social services, all these incredible agencies that that multi-layered, that dominate everybody and families and everyone else that they have today, people helped each other out. It was a humane thing to do. And of people, even even atheists would say it was a Christian thing to do because it was the values came from an old religious background, regardless of the religions themselves, and so it worked well. And, and times of crisis for the for the people, but that's been destroyed as well. And you're supposed to basically rely on various forms of unemployment, welfare, social assistance, experts again that are churned out from colleges and universities. To take care of things for you, you see. Depending, and again, even that's all polit- politicized. Now, it depends who you are, if, if you want help. What category you belong to. Is That's how bad things are now, as they divide up in, in, into multi-leveled victimhood areas, you see. Who gets priority and help and all the rest of it. Well, I am so surprised that people even put up with this nonsense. Because, see, power will always derive more power from, from, and guaranteed power from areas that will help the most. 
That's why it'll keep certain areas and, and certain groups of people suppressed. They'll count them for a, a voting block. When your income is, and literally lively, it's just survival depends eventually on the state supplying you with, with financial needs and so on. Uh, then you can pretty well guarantee a, a voting block for that, you see. It's, it's guaranteed. Every group of people out there, I don't care who you, who you are at all, you, if you belong to identify with some kind of group or other, you'll be used down the road by, by those at the very, very top who have divided and conquered everybody. The U.S. had so much going for it for such a long, long time, and, and volumes were put out by the United States. And yes, the money was in there early, and the, the money managers were in there early, and they took over, unfortunately, the same role that Britain had. As, uh, under the pretense of being a policeman to the world, and until they're exhausted, as um, many in, in Britain in academia at the top at that time who worked for the big organizations, the Royal Institute for International Field that runs everything, who planned the global society and so on, and who planned for the U.S. to take over. And, and Arnold Toynbee and others mentioned the U.S. would literally run itself into the ground as the, quote, policeman of the world. But then it would be exhausted by wars and bankruptcies and so on, because wars are expensive. And then you create a massive welfare state out of them too, and that further destroys you because it's non-productive. And yet more wars come along, and you've got a dwindling tax base. It's the ultra-rich uh, uh, all bank offshore and real tangible goods like real estate. That's why they call it real estate. Hmm. And uh, everyone's left with useless currency that doesn't work anymore and is so devalued. Uh, old story, mind you, uh, and, but it's a, it's a shame because the U.S. had a lot going for it but because it, it was an industrial giant with great resources and uh, a large population very quickly grown, basically, a large population. Then, naturally, gangsters move in and the system basically bleeds the general population for taxes and so on which often go off to the very areas I'm talking about now, like science and, and uh, technologies that end up dominating you. And then again, from academia, once again, you still have eugenics running wild with so many different uh, <laughs> areas that really are simply practicing the, the, the beliefs in eugenics and inferior types and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 don't, and I'm telling you, don't think that you're in some kind of top... It's like... Julian Huxley was a eugenicist, remember? And the left wing praises him for being a founding member of Planned Parenthood. But he believed in eugenics. And he said that all the helpers and so on would eventually, he said, expect to get in to this. It's almost like he was talking about the arcs in 2012 and that, that kind of scenario. He said they expect to come in to this upper echelon to, to manage the planet and only be, to be terribly disappointed that they themselves don't have, don't fit the bill in a sense, that they haven't got the right stuff. That, that, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but that's how he put it in his speeches and in his books. But, it, but, it, but they, So they'd be used and then disposed of, you see. That's always the way it goes. Because in their mind, they were going to be, and he coined, he used the phrase too. He's often said that he, he coined it, but it's not quite true. But he certainly used this, this term transhuman. He's a transhumanist. And in his mind at the time, they were the, the natural rulers of the planet. Old families, intellectual elites who had money, power, and scientific knowledge too. He added that into it. So, they would be entrepreneurs in a sense that used sciences or employed sciences to manage everything, like the, the people today who have been presented to you as stars because they're awfully rich and governments basically make their businesses by giving them all the grants, free grants and everything, and then promote them as some kind of geniuses that you should follow. And that's what we're seeing, transhumanists. But they also say that, that their, 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 their goal is to alter humanity because humans were made imperfect, just like the world, back to the old Garden of Eden analogy. You know, the world was left imperfect, you see? 
but the but the master builders will then perfect it. Now, they're talking about humanity and the planet and everything on the planet. The same things that came out of Monsanto years ago and the gen- and the, the, those who were manipulating genes of plants, they were going to perfect everything. And then we saw it coming from the geneticists for, to deal with biology for humans. And they were saying the same thing, that yes, all classes this and classes that. And they would basically allow their fear types to die off, etc., etc., etc. Like H.G. Wells did in his book, A Modern Utopia. So we're living through it. It's just that folk get caught up in the rhetoric. that they So much so that this overload of data that they don't recognize what they're living through. They get caught up in the emotions. So many uh, uh, sites out there now are, what side are you on, this or that or whatever, you see. And the first rule, the first real rule in any kind of warfare, or even in martial arts, is if you lose control over emotion, you've lost everything right away. You're gone. A good example of that, and you'll, you'll see it in some sports, at least you see it with old sports. The boxer, who used to be called Cassius Clay and then called himself uh, Muhammad Ali, would goad his opponents and by using the media before uh, the bouts happened, sometimes starting a month, two months in advance, just goading them, a lot of comments he'd make and so on. He, he was perfect for that technique of getting the, getting the person to just lose it, you see. So the time they get in the ring, the person is ready to, he's, he's just so f- angry at them. He's, he's, he's lost his, if he gets something, he's been taught. And he and get beaten, so, so Muhammad Ali would always win, you see. But that, that was the trick of it. That was a trick that he used to good effect for his, his particular sport. And it's the same with, with all types of warfare. Gaining knowledge is a battle. Gaining true knowledge is almost impossible. In today, today's age, because through the 80, through the nineties especially, libraries were were giving lists of books, and I read articles on it too, on shows where they were told what to dump, all the books to dump, and so and and eradicate. Don't worry, it'll be on the internet. You see, and I knew before I even got a darn computer, and I only used a computer just for the show. I even said it in the nineties because uh, I didn't have one. I said when I was on shows. I said I, I don't want a computer really, because if I ever get one, it'll be just for shows, because it's not it's not out there to help me. You see. So once all the books etc were up there, and so, but then you started to find you got, you got different versions of the books on the internet, or half half the books would be gone, or you'd see whole chapters were gone, and then eventually whole books were gone. <laughs> it's quick it's down the memory hole. It's predicted, and I said that would happen in the nineties. It's it, it so obvious, and then for well, well, don't worry, I can we can burn this and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, guess where the power is, folks. Because, you see, eventually they, 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 they don't know how lot this, they just make them obsolete uh, with the newer computers. So eventually you have computers that don't have drives, you see, for, for CDs and DVDs. And it's designed to go that way. Unless you really hold on to old, old computers and store them awfully well with spare parts and so on, so that you can still play basically, um, old format stuff that you've saved down the road when so much knowledge is gone. The greatest technique that's used by tyrants today, apart from massive surveillance like never before, I mean, this is their greatest dream that they could never have in the past, is total observation of every individual in order to keep them safe from terrorism, you see? Never had that ever. What a dream, eh? They'll never stop using it. It's going to get worse and worse. They've trained most of the people, the younger folk, that's quite normal. They don't mind. Most of them don't mind. And that's quite, that's quite something, quite a step forward for, for tyranny, really, where, where they've trained the, the, the victims not to mind. And the victims don't even see themselves as victims because they get all the free goodies to go along with it, etc. Some years ago I mentioned uh, articles about behaviour modification by governments. 
and uh, they've, got, they've got behaviour change practical guide here for governments, uh, common good uh, behaviour change, um, communicators and be- behaviour, planning for behavioural change seminars, universities and so on, or on behalf of governments, and the theory of planned behaviour, etc. On and on and on it goes. And these aren't hobbies, folks. They, they, these are meant to actually be used, and they are used all the time on us. And folk don't realise it. And that's awfully sad that that people uh, have given up, as predicted by the people who study you and published so, in so many of their books and publications. You, you give up everything for little freebie this and freebie that, for instance. I'll try to find one little article here. Well, here's an example here, for instance. And I think I used this a few years back. By the panels which actually work with the government, uh, doesn't matter which government is, they're there permanently now. And one of them is over the last decade, there's been an increasing recognition in the UK of the complexity of managing the performance of public policy. Now, the, the same one in the States and elsewhere, too, same organizations, because I'd read them from, from different countries. Anyway, this is the British one, and, or one of them, I should say, articles. So, the Prime Minister's strategy unit, right? In 2002, published a report introducing the concept of public value to the UK policy environment. And public value refers to the value created by government through services, laws, regulation, and other interventions. The report identified three key dimensions of public value outcomes, delivery of services, and trust. That's what you must have to keep the people obedient and, and, and everything working. You must have, uh, have at least these, right? And then highlighted the centrality of public preferences across all three dimensions in determining that value. It argued that value only exists if citizens, individually or collectively, are willing to give up something in return for what you're offering, right? This might involve monetary sacrifice, e.g. taxes and charges but also granting coercive, here's a key, coercive powers to the states, right? Where they can manipulate, make kind of force you along, you know what I'm saying? In retur- such as in return for security. We'll give you security, but it's going to cost you. you know? and or, or, again, coercive power and disclosing information that we know all about you and what you're doing, we look at it, and giving time or other resources. And as an example, they say, such as blood. You know? No kidding you. Often then, this involves changing behaviour, and this is much easier to achieve if policymakers give greater weight to public preferences for trustworthy government, due process, and fair treatment in legitimising this change. It goes on and on and on. Now, I, I can I tell you right now, down the road, you're going to get, um, and they go into the different books and publications they use themselves on, such as Halpern, Bates, and Bales, 2003, an introduction into the social psychological literature on the factors which underpin individual and group behavior. And then it tells you with how these under, this understanding can be used to influence or actually achieve behavioral changes in the populations. Uh, it, it, it really throws out the window the idea that you're living through a, your own life. <laughs> Most folk really do think, oh, I'm still, I plan, oh, I know what my opinions are, you know, and they gave me my opinions, you know. <laughs> Even what they look at has been given to them. But there's nothing new in it, folks. I mean, this is, this is how things really work. Uh, and the, the public have no idea. Most of them have no idea at all. It's kind of like what they said about communism. They tried to, to get communist uprisings in different countries in the West, including Britain, but they couldn't get the workers to, to go up in revolution because the workers were too busy working, you see? Well, it's the same thing with all the information on what's happening and have been done to you. Uh, what's on the side of the manipulators is the fact that folk are too busy generally making the income to pay their taxes, to pay for security, to, to pay to be studied governments and agencies and galore and all that kind of stuff, to even read the stuff themselves and all what's been done to them. But what they go through is, oh, they can offer you little little freebies, mousetraps and so on, if you just sign on here and sign on there and you get a discount at grocery stores and discount at pharmacies and discount here and discount there. These aren't discounts, folks. They're charging the normal price. The folk who won't join their, 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 their special cards and customer preferences and so they're getting penalized with higher 
charges. That's what it is. They're not losing money by giving you what you think is something cheaper. It's all psychology. And unfortunately, it works with most people. Now, I had no idea what I was going to talk about tonight, because really, as I say, uh, there's hardly anything in the news except absolute fabricated nonsense. Uh, when I looked at one of the papers today, and, and all they had at the top was, was Prince Harry, I think it was, and Meghan, his wife, flying off to some f- multi-millionaire's par- billionaire's paradise island somewhere, from a, a, just a squandering of massive monies and so on, a private jet, yaddy yaddy. As they, as they tell us, the same characters were telling us recently we've got to cut back and causing too much pollution and stop using, you know, um, fuel, etc. And, and they jet all over the planet on their private jets, etc. You know what I'm saying? Eh? Yeah. Anyway, um, I had no idea what I was going to talk about because there's a, a dearth of news, as I say, and people are really bewailing the fact that, that Jeffrey Epstein's gone to an extent, because if they dragged this out for a while, that's all you'd have got for months, maybe even a year, is the ongoing uh, uh, revelations and etc. of the scandal. But it's all gone now, and it won't go any further, because too, too many powerful forces are... Have to, you can't expose these forces, folks. can't be done, and that's the way it is in this so-called democracy that we all live in. But before I go tonight... As I'm prattling on here, I had nothing ready to even prattle about, but I'll put up a few few links. One is to break Google monopoly on search and make its index public. They're they're talking about these things. It won't make any difference because uh, that that happened to a standard trust, the oil company, and it's been revealed and, and, and actually authenticated that uh, Old Rockefeller's trust was broken up into different companies pretending to be different, but they all in reality were the subsidiaries of his, of Standard Oil. That's out. So that's all they do, folks. Everything is deception and perception management. What you perceive and what you're told makes your perceptions into what you think is reality. It doesn't. It's still all privately owned for the same purposes. And power doesn't... I don't even... Do you really think that power ever, ever gives itself up? It doesn't happen. That's why countries go to war. Countries go to war because, because they both want each other's power, or one wants their person's country for power. They don't give it up. It doesn't happen. It's the same with the corporations. Remember, too, getting back to eugenics, etc. I've mentioned so many times the first global revolution, which was published by the Club of Rome, a big think tank for the eugenicists. Amazing stuff they've, they've turned out, by the way. Uh, an elitist system that, that quite openly talks about the fact that democracy is not working, which we know is a joke anyway. It was supposed to keep us all pretending to ourselves in a self-delusional state of mind that we're free. But uh, the Club of Rome worked for the elites. They were the think, one of the big think tanks of how to implement a new system. And they said, in searching for a new enemy to unite us, that's from the first global revolution published by the, by the Club of Rome, we came up, we came up, right? Because we were given an, uh, the job of finding a way to unite the planet for the, for the elite. We came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortage, famine and the like would fit the bill. Would fit the bill. Because that's what they were asked. Did you find something that the public could swallow, right? So that they'd all have to listen and, and obey a new system of being governed. Hmm? That's what it only means. So they go on to say here, all these dangers are caused by human intervention. The real enemy then is humanity itself, meaning all of you lot. Okay? And don't, don't forget too, I mean, Barack Obama was, there's no, there's, anybody who's picked, I don't care what, what ethnic group you, you think you identify with or you'll vote for, everybody at the top is all picked by the same club, folks. And, and, and Barack Obama was the same. Because he went to Africa too for visits, and he he, he told them too. Because they were, don't forget this whole idea of of sustainability. And the Africans aren't going to get their central heating or central air conditioning. The average family there, they're not going to get all their fridges to keep everything good. They aren't going to get things to keep them healthy and help them get healthier and, and survive better. But he said, ultimately, if you think about all the youth 
that everybody has mentioned here in Africa. Everybody is raising living standards to the point where everybody has got a car and everybody has got air conditioning and everybody has got a big house. Well, the planet will boil over unless we find new ways of producing energy. What he's telling us is that you need population reduction, eh? And lots of articles and papers, too, put out by the elites themselves and uh, the Gates uh, Foundations and so on, and Rockefeller Foundations, all, all, all go on to different uh, projections of tomorrow, you know. One of them is called The Country School of Tomorrow, Occasional Papers Number One. It goes back to 1913, a vision of the remedy of how to depopulate and so on, right? And how rural folks would not be given all the benefits of the, the elite who, who had natural right to rule things, basically. We shall not try to make these people or any of their children into philosophers or men of learning or of science. That was funded by the Rockefellers, 1913. Hmm? That goes for the world, folks. So nothing's ever what it seems to be. We live through a, a dream, in a sense. But the dream is managed by those who manage and own and believe that they own the world. If they own your mind, because if it's not yours, someone else will own it, folks. Do you realize that, that um, true right-wing government, the meaning of it, would be closer to anarchy? An, an anarchist basically would say, don't bother me and I won't bother you. No rules, see? You, you, the rules that apply to each situation and each person who you come in contact with don't bother me and I won't bother you. That's, that's true. That'd be the true right wingism. For those who don't quite know that, leftism is a, a strong government, a state. The state is God and controls everything. It's the system the elites prefer because then you, everyone is born and trained to obey. For those who don't quite know that. But it, don't follow people because they're put out in front of you to vote for. They're picked in advance and vetted to in advance. So I'll put that up. Again, you know, you find that Brave New World had uh, Soma and so on, and how uh, Aldous Huxley talked about drugs being used tremendously on the populations to control them. And uh, it's just astonishing to me to see so many articles that are advocating Drugs are basically, uh, were always put down as being illegal because of their psychotropic effects and getting pushed. It's, it's good things there. People on the love the drug. It's called a love drug. You see MDMA. It's a love drug. You know? So there's a, this weird, these are opinion given to you right away. People on love drug, MDMA, still know who to trust, it says. It makes people more cooperative, not gullible. So for recreational users, ecstasy has long been associated with a harmonious mindset. Now there's research to back that up. And a new study of MDMA, the ecstasy's main ingredient, the drug uh, indeed made people more cooperative, but only with trustworthy partners. You see, there you go. There's your new study. I told you about all these, all these studies. That's from, this article is from uh, an old one too. It's quite, quite good actually. But conducted at King's College London, the study is the first to examine MDMA's impact on cooperative behaviour in detail. Getting back to what is mentioned about the government and their psychological units and behavioural impact units and so on, working with them. This is one of these articles, you see. And again, King's College London, given a grant, they're all living in grants, all these different people, and... Uh, and they churn out these reports after studying it. Researchers gave 20 healthy adults, adult men, either a typical recreational dose of MDMA or a placebo. The participants then played an online game against an unseen opponent, either cooperating or competing for points. If both chose to cooperate, they both got points. So that, that falls into the previous article I mentioned too, about, about you, they'd even give blood, right, yeah, as an example. So if you cooperate, you get points and so on. It's just too easy. And folk are getting manipulated all the time with their computers. It really is sad that. Because when it was announced, the people thought they were going to have freedom maybe for the first time. Really. Or at least for thought expression or whatever. But it's all been taken away naturally. You can't have that. See your owners. Also, I just want to touch to, it's an article, it's in the paper, but it's just very typical. Sacramento salon owner claims California homeless crisis forcing her to relocate after 15 years because 
She'd grown sick of multiple break-ins and cleaning up syringes, urine and feces from outside her premises every day. I mean, uh, you can imagine how the folk in the, say, in the 50s and 60s would have ever, if you'd given them a story like that, they, they'd been utterly horrified and couldn't, they'd go into shock. But now it's quite common. It's all the old values that kept everything working and folk helping each other too that have been destroyed. Cultural war, total. You see, that's total cultural war. That's how we take down our country. Forget weaponry of all other kinds, physical hardware. You know, the cultural war has been the big one to take everybody down. It worked so well. And even Gramsci said that too. Rather than try to force the people to change, you simply become their culture and then, then you, then you start to gradually change it from within until you, so you take over the culture industry or you create a culture industry of entertainment and so on. Many ways to do it. And then take over academia. You can actually plan how many generations it'll take before you're in charge. Today, they really chart, they really judge a, a change of generations in, say, 10, 20 year periods. Boom, boom, boom. That's how fast you can get another crop coming up uh, with a further change in mind. A very old technique, actually. And then an article that says that YouTube algorithm pushes videos with children to pedophiles, report says, but there's no great uproar about that, is there? Again, with all the cultural war and, and hyper-sexualization of everything through entertainment for so many years in television and so on, and now the internet, I don't think you can get folk upset about too much anymore. It's sad, but it's true, when values are destroyed. And when actually that becomes, that becomes entertainment, I mean, even the, the, the Epstein scandal, Jeffrey Epstein scandal, didn't really have the impact that folks would have had even 20 years beforehand. But now that they're watching, like, you know, is it 40 or 50 Shades of Grey and all the rest of it is a standard fair and Game of Thrones and God knows well, you can't get folk. They've been contaminated. As the, as the terminology is actually used, contamination, once it happens, then you, 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 you've conquered them. And then tech firms must give up their awkward secret uh, that humans are listening to pretty well everything you're doing and all the different... Uh, Programs that you're using, such as Apple's Siri and Google's Assistant and Alexa Voice Assistant, etc., etc. Of course they are, folks. And, they've been, and the other ones too, it gives you a whole bunch of them here, that, that are totally spying on you. And they've had articles out by different agencies that have come out from the agencies themselves admitting that they've used these techniques to spy on people in their homes, by the police, everybody else, yada, yada, yada. There is no privacy, and uh, I think we should get over that, shouldn't we, and accept it. That's just the way it is. But anyway, that's about all I've got time for, really. I'm sorry if it's not too detailed. Maybe it is. I have no idea. I don't really plan what I'm going to talk about. But just a casual scanning of what's given out for news nowadays, for this week especially, that's about all there is really. And added to it too by things that, that haven't been said because it's obvious, isn't it? It really is obvious with your behavioral teams working with governments and working on you with internet services as well that uh, it's very evident that you're being trained not to even really expect news, and that is the new system. Yeah, anything to do with governments, what they're up to, or the bills they're going to pass, whatever, all that is to eventually get scrubbed. You're getting trained into a new authoritative way of doing. Now that you've accepted that you're ruled by new laws since 9-11 because of the anti-terrorism laws and so on, then the next step is now here's how you're governed a la Club of Rome idea on behalf of the elites. Remember, folks, you can buy the boots and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and list down from my main website all the other sites I have. Is, they're all listed on the, on the com site, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you could buy the boots and discs or donate to me to keep me ticking along here. I shall have to keep always reminding people because it's, um, as we all know, we're all getting hard up for cash now because the currency is really devalued. I think they said 40% since the last crash in 2007 and 8. And Canada definitely is so. 
the dollars down the purchasing power if I can buy for dollars 40% less per dollar than it was back then. It was bad enough then. <laughs> but there you go. So anyway, go on the website and again, you can find out how to, to donate. You can send cash. You can use international postal money orders. If you're in Canada, use a postal money order. There's PayPal. There's other means to, or you can send a check. And that'll be okay. Let me take along. And I thank you for the, the folk who email, even for the, for the stacks of folk, most of them. I, I have a poor audience, <laughs> apparently. But uh, that's okay. Yes, they're all people. And I get to know different ones across the planet and their situations and so on. And it's good. It's good to be in touch with uh, people who are real, with real, real physical problems and so on, and real financial problems. And, and all the natural problems that we have today because the system we're living in is across the world. It's interesting to find out just how similar all their problems are with the same, with the governments and, and finances. And, and again, this, this rather open can, uh, tyranny really we're seeing today with what, you, what you, you're told. This coercion, the, the threats you're getting now. If you start to ask questions or, or put two and two together, which isn't difficult much in these days, I should say. It's not difficult in these days to put different things together when your government's forcing you or, or threatening you, in a sense, just to, just to regurgitate the standard uh, authorized opinions, that, which obviously are untrue in so many areas. And that's terribly sad. And I think it will be the undoing of lots of the things they're trying to, to cover up. Unless you get honesty coming out, then things just get worse and worse and worse. It builds up. Anyway, from myself, Alan Watts, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>